You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are back after a Sunday victory, a 1 o'clock perfect weather game with great sunshine, the legacy game, all 80s everything, and uh, an 80s-style football score, 14-7. to 7. The Giants <laughs> beat the Commanders. How you doing, Mike? Oh, very great. Beginning of... Um... Rivalry week for me, you know, it's Giants Commanders, it's Knicks Celtics, it's Florida Georgia, it's Jets Giants. Big, big week. So at least we got one win out of the way to get started for this. So I am super pumped to talk about a rare win for this New York football Giants. Let's get into it. I am glad to be talking about a win. Uh, I don't really know how this episode would have went if we lost really, truly, honestly, partially due to the amount of losses, partially due to the team that we lost to. But in any event, during this Just Giants game review of the Giants and Commanders, I will be drinking beer by Autodidact Brewing. I am going to be drinking, again, the Amanda's Wings Double IPA that got me so almost fucked up during the last time we were doing this. Um, this is, of course, like I said last time, um, all the proceeds to this go towards Melissa's Wings, which is a cancer organization, and October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so we thought this was a good time to do that. In any case, I'm not getting any money to promote this beer, and uh, just along those lines, um, you should check out our podcast and share just the way I'm sharing Autodidact Beer's promotion. In any case, Giants win 14-7 over the Commanders. Um, solid game right from the beginning for the defense. I, I want to start right there. Um I went into this with some stats, which I'm not usually a big stats guy. But last week, I mentioned that the Atlanta Falcons were going into week six with only five sacks, and they came out of week six with 10 sacks. The Giants came into this game with five sacks, and they came out with 11 sacks. They Hmm. were on their ass right away. Um, Sam Howell was just running for his life. I mean, he was gun shy before the second half started, right? Yeah, I think it was a combination of three things. I think it was a combination that the defense came to play. I think that we're dealing with a team that has a lot of problems on the offensive line and a and a rookie quarterback that's getting to that point, or not a rookie, but a first-year starter, that's getting to that point in the season now where he's starting to see ghosts. And quite frankly, I saw a very poor coaching job by Washington. I mean... We didn't see any of Riverboat Ron. We saw a very, you know, a resistance to use his running game, a resistance for everything. So I think those three factors in was a perfect storm for this defense to really start doing their thing. It's a game that, you know, a a quarterback that Wink Martindale loves to feast on, quarterbacks that are young and inexperienced and get them rattled. And we got him rattled for sure. It got down to the point where they didn't really have an answer for anything we were doing in the defensive line. So by the second half, after we registered our sixth sack, I believe on their opening drive, um, 
They just completely changed their offense to be running game and one-look throws. And I mean one look. If it's covered, throw it anyway. And you could see Sam Howell was just launching shit in the second half. Mm-hmm. Every completion they had was a gamble. It was either going to be uh, a flag was thrown for holding, and you're just hoping for that, or you know he just makes a miracle. Terry McLaurin had some miracle catches in this game where he was covered, and they just threw it anyway, and it just worked sometimes. It was just a, it was a flip of a coin. Um, and there, there were other ones where, you know, he's just launching it 10 yards out of bounds. It mm-hmm. really was just getting rid of the ball immediately. And that was their, that was a hundred percent their answer to our pass rush, which finally, I mean, it's, it's nice to just say that. Well, we know we have it. In, these guys have it in them. It's just, we haven't had an opportunity to. And I think that, uh, also it's a rare game where we had a lead where the, the pass rush can kind of pin their ears back and go after a quarterback. Usually these games were down and teams are just running the ball or just doing safe things that kind of neutralizes a bit of a, run, a pass rush. So it was uh, it was a pleasant thing. It, it felt almost in the reverse of what we saw like in the Dallas game where every snap Daniel Jones is running for his life or being forced to do things where he's not ready to do. And we saw it in reverse this week. It, it quite literally looked like that. Like if you were to, if I, if I were colorblind and I couldn't see logos, um, I would have thought I was just watching a replay of that game. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm giving the pass rush, and I guess specifically Dexter Lawrence, but because I think he was the best member of that pass rush yesterday. But I'm giving them collectively a star. I know that I said going into this game that they needed to feast. Um, so like it feels kind of weird to give a star for doing your job, but. I mean, how am I supposed to complain? You know, they, they, they did exactly what I needed them to do. And so they get a star. I mean, six sacks is pretty crazy. I'll give the whole defense a star, and especially I'll give the coaching staff a star because I, I alluded to this last week that, you know, after the Buffalo game, very disappointed we lost, but this team has not quit. No, not and at all. This absolutely looks like a team that has ignored the 1-5 and five record, has ignored, you know, the, the – you know, the, the hole they're in, ignored the injuries that have put us in, the, in this position. They've ignored that offense versus defense thing. And they are still playing with heart and still playing like there is something. Now, you know, what are they playing for is to be determined. Are they playing Are they playing for this coaching staff? Are they playing to be showcased for the potential trade deadline? Are they, who knows what, but at least everybody is still on the same page and trying and giving effort so that we can all be thankful for you know it, you're right it seems stupid to say we want guys who are getting paid millions of dollars and professional athletes to try but it's human nature too when your season's just about lost to kind of eh, and this team has not done that yet well so, it's it's just human nature to be like man i did my job what do you want mm-hmm. from me uh yeah I mean, it it what we're asking for is for the defense to make up for a very hurt offense. And even when they're not hurt, uh, an offense that is underperforming. Uh, and that's asking them to do more than their job, and they're doing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to extend that further. I'm going to give specifically Deontay Banks yeah, a star for this game. The interception looked excellent. But just in general, he is continuing a play of just solid rookie corner play. And I don't believe that we've really pointed him out. I mean, I think, I think we've mentioned it, but... I'm giving him a star. He got the pick in this game. And not for nothing, you know, we can we can talk about Washington having kind of a porous offensive line. We can talk about Sam Howell being a first-year quarterback. Um, 
they have really good wide receivers. They have yeah. a very good group of wide receivers, and they were blanketed. You know, like I said, he gave up some catches, but he was in good position. Terry McLaurin is just different, man. He's. I, would you say Terry McLaurin is like among the the five best wide receivers in the division? He's got to be right. Oh, in a division with Ceedee Lamb, AJ Brown, it's hard to think of someone who's. He'd be he'd be wide receiver one on this team. He would be wide receiver one on this team. Yeah, yeah, I would say that that's a fair statement. Um, and the other thing too about Deontay Banks, you don't have the the uh, security blanket of Adoree Jackson because he was out. So it was a game where you want him to keep progressing as a rookie, and but now there's added responsibility. Is he became CB one? You're CB one in this game, and he and he played like CB one. So I also like he has, in, in my opinion, the perfect amount of swag right now. You know what I mean? Like, he has just enough talk in him where it's clearly not, like, an issue on the field. I haven't seen him get, you know, pushed or shoved or anything like that. He backs it up with his play. I I, I don't know. He, he just walks that fine line of, like, just the perfect amount of swag and confidence. For a rookie, he's playing really well according to my what my expectations are for a rookie corner. He's not Sauce Gardner, but he's damn good. I don't know. I love the pick. I, I I'm, I'm happy with Deontay Banks so far. Yeah. I mean, we've we have tried through the draft, we have tried through free agency to really get, you know, a, a, a lockdown cornerback and, you know, through the draft has not been successful. Not for a long, long time. And you know Well, I mean, I, I think who are the the last couple they picked uh, Eli Apple, I think you can say is a, a failure at least in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, he has made himself a, I mean, he's a Super Bowl corner. Um I mean I that, is, that is what it is. Yeah. Um. But, you know, he he's made himself a starter in the league. He's also a meme. But Prince Mucamero, I think, was a solid. He was just solid. He was not outstanding. He was never a stack guy. But he's I another guess. one who went around the league. Was but, he a first round pick? I don't remember. Yes, he was a first round. He was a first was, round pick. He was around fifteen or eighteen. Deontay Banks was further down the list. Yeah. I um, I just. I just feel I feel more upside in him. And I see yes. potential for being uh, for outkicking your draft spot. I think with him, and that's uh, very encouraging to me. And I, I don't know how long this is going to last, uh, but there's something to be said about him being like the right fit for the defense we're currently running as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I never felt that way during the the last let's say six or seven years of the Mark Ross, Jerry Reese GM era where we were not necessarily drafting for our coaches. We were just Uh drafting like tools or something. I don't know what we were doing. Right. Drafting not to get fired. Yeah. (laughs) Um, One last thing I have on the defense. I flirted with the idea of giving Kayvon a a fart for the drop pick. I, you know something I put, I was thinking about that also, but it's almost like the same category that I would give, and we're going to talk about um, uh, Saquon Barkley fumbling on the, you know, in, inside the five yard line. That it's it, it's a fart play, but I don't give a fart necessarily to where you know you got to catch that. Both of, so <laughs> that, both that, of those you could attribute both of those to the same stamp of that almost lost us the game. Um, the mm-hmm. only reason I'm going to put Kayvon higher than Saquon Barkley in terms of I'm going to weight that a little heavier is because that really was a shoe in pick six. And even if it wasn't a pick six, you just catch that and go out of bounds. 
you were already like in the you red zone. The field, yeah, you've done everything. I mean, yeah. that that's basically leaving points on the board. Saquon, that's also leaving points on the board, but it's really hard for me to compare an easy lob, no one is around you, literally no one is around you, dropped interception to, you know, well, in the pile getting the ball stripped from you. You're running back. Fumbles my, happen. My only counter to that is your job is I to know. be a running back is to run the ball and hold on to the ball, especially in spots it. like that. And he's a... You know, he's a defensive end. He's not a cornerback. He's not a receiver. So that's yeah. the only little difference I that's have. Fair. Picking nits a little bit. And again, they're not farts because of the play of the game. Both guys played well in the game, not to get stars necessarily. But I, I don't know if I want to give like a special. It's kind of like saying, you know, if you're a one hit hunt, one hit wonder in music and you have one great song, I'm not putting you in the Rock Hall of Fame, but that song deserves some special recognition. And that's kind of feel with that. It's like one screw up doesn't say you get a fart for the day but yeah I, I, I didn't i didn't yeah it absolutely it makes perfect sense i didn't give a fart to either of those guys but i did write them down as honorable mentions for farts for both barkley for the fumble and cave for the drop pick because let's face it with the end of the game the way it happened and we'll, we'll get to that but um they they very very well could have lost this game to a touchdown two-point conversion at the end of the at the end of the game yeah, and I mean, both of those day, plays would have been things we would have been talking about for a full hour had that been the case. Sure. This game was razor thin. I mean, it felt like we dominated them. And when we turn to offense, we'll talk about it. But it was a 14-7 game. I do want to talk about special teams before we get to the offense, though. I'm going sure. to give a fart to the entire special teams. We suck. We missed a field goal. And I know we blocked one in this game, too. But we missed a field goal. Um Two muffed punts by two different players. It is clear also that they still have no fucking plan. They have no plan at returner. They have none. And, like, they continue to see week after week issues at returner, and there is still no plan. There's nothing at all. Well, oh, we'll put Shep back there. He muffs a punt. We'll well, put there is Slayton a... back there. I mean, it got to the point where the announcers on TV were pointing out that the fans were Bronx cheering every oh, yeah. fair catch. I mean— this is the state of this team is we cannot catch a fucking punt. Well, and, we, we, we did sign somebody just in the last couple of hours. So the coaching staff decided to rectify the situation by signing somebody named uh, Olszewski or something like that, who's an all-pro special teams player. He hasn't returned, I don't think, since 2020. He's most recently a gunner. Uh, look, at his least, name is Gunner. His his name is Gunner. Was <laughs> he? Name is- <laughs> never yeah. mind never mind <laughs> listen we'll put that on the patreon page is a great blooper <laughs> um look I, i'm glad they're finally addressing it uh yes. I, I feel like i don't need to re-review but i'll give you the cliff's notes it's bullshit to me that they had jameson crowder on this roster who's been a great returner for the commanders thus far this year he was a good returner in this game they had two other guys that were good returners in khalil pimpleton and um, Jaden Mickens or mm-hmm. something like that. Mickens. None of those guys made the roster despite the fact that they were good, but a guy who has never returned before was the penciled-in returner uh, simply because they didn't they, want a running tried back to, to kill, hit the market. They tried That's to it. kill two birds with one zone and stave a potential draft pick. It That's is all. a very, very obvious blemish on this front office and coaching staff. We will get to grading that at the end of this year. But, I mean, I can tell you right now, they're getting a shit grade for, for that. I mean, they, they really – they blew off special teams as if the kickoff and the punt have already been removed from the game, and they haven't. 
Right. So I'm, I'm furious about it because it almost lost this game. Sterling Shepard's muff really, truly almost lost this game. They could not move the ball at all, but we gave them the red zone, and they scored a touchdown. Yeah. You cannot do that. You can't but do that. The only thing you can you cannot do in a game like this is give them opportunities, and that's just what we did. And it was right at the start of the half. It, you know, it was just one of those times where you can put this game away, even if we even it if gave we gave them the confidence early in the second half. Sure. Exactly. Um. All right. So offense. I have a star to hand out for offense. Oh, one more thing about special teams. Oh, go for um, it. Yep. Your boy Graham Gano. Uh, oh yeah, he, he missed. He gets a fart for me. Obviously, he has. I get zero tolerance with him. But he's not been that good lately. He's been a little. Um, and I get it. It was you know the wind was a little strange in the stadium yesterday. It was kind of on our side. We're on. If you're watching on TV, we are on the. What are we on the? The left side. We are on the right side. We're on the right the TV side. TV broadcast. We're on the opposite side of where the Giants come out of the tunnel. Okay, so like. We were looking at the flags on the on the goalpost. That ours was a little swirly and blowing towards us, and the other were not at all. So that might have been a. I don't want to give excuses for anybody. Maybe the issues he, catching he, punts. He did kick towards us too. Yeah. So um, I'm not giving excuses, but still, he has to be better. He has not been that good in the last couple of weeks. I agree. He, he needs to step up. Um, offense, I have a star to give out. Only one. Okay. It's probably not who people think. I'm going to give it to Jalen Hyatt. I know he only caught two of two passes on five targets, but 75 yards, I mean, he was the field flipper that this team needs. And, and the reason I'm giving him a star is because he's doing everything I wanted him to do in year one. It's a shame it took us to this week to do it, to show it, especially since in training camp it felt like he had to scream to get first-team reps. Uh, mm -hmm. And then when he did, he immediately did it in practice. I mean, it's it's clear that that's where he belonged, and they were kind of inching him along. When he's on the field and when we're throwing at him, I mean, he was 2 of 5. He very nearly had a touchdown catch that would have been in, that would have been a sports center highlight. Mm -hmm. um, very, very nearly had that one as well. I mean, it would be like an indisputable star at that point. But basically, I, I'm just giving him a star because – it's not his fault. He's doing literally everything that he needs to do in this offense in year one. Uh, yeah. I have expectations for him to continue to develop as a wide receiver and not just be Deshaun Jackson. Um, I need him to develop a route tree over the next couple of years. But for year one, for him to learn slants, go routes, and comebacks and run them efficiently with the quarterback, that's more than enough for year one. I, you know, I don't know if he'll ever be a wide receiver one at the level of like an AJ Brown or something, but you know, something, if we could ever like through, through free agency or through the draft, get a real superstar receiver and having him as your wide receiver too, that makes an offense very, very dangerous downfield. So, um, you know, this offense is not going to be built over one off season or even two off seasons, but that's a very nice piece to have, you know, the combination of him and, and Wendell Robinson are, you know, very good supplemental long-term pieces for me as we as we move forward. Um, I have two stars. I one one sec, just last yeah. note on Hyatt. I, I totally yeah. agree. Um, I, I think that he fills a role on this offense that was previously held by Darius Slayton, who's fast, but he's not fast, fast. If that makes sense, he's not electric. Yeah, correct. 
That's what and, it is. It's really there's it's that's not trying to take anything away from Slayton. Nope. That just means Hyatt is just different. I don't think defensive coordinators are staying up at three in the morning saying, What am I gonna do against Darius Slayton? I think they might start sleeping till like, you know, maybe one in the morning about Jalen Hyatt. And that's all you want. Extra any extra you know, brain power, brain synapses working on anything to help this offense is a good thing. And I think that's what we're working on. Um, I have two stars. Uh, one, just for the offensive line in general. Okay. Uh, the beating that this line has been taking for the last couple weeks and really this whole season through to incompetence and or injuries. Um, you know, I don't need the seven blocks of granite. I need a offensive line who can, pass block just long enough that we can take shots, you know, more vertical routes, more down the field ones. I need an offensive line to just give enough. So every running attempt is at negative one, no gain or one yard. Um, and they did that for the most part. And, you know, again, I don't care who this defense is in the NFL. We haven't seen any of that for the longest time. We've seen, you know, two quarterbacks running for their lives most of the season. And, Tyron Taylor looked as comfortable as a Giants quarterback is going to look this season to this point. So I have to give that offensive line a star. It's a it's a uh, no a sliding scale star, but I think he, they deserve it. And I'm with you there. As much as I am not a fan, and in the next segment we're going to talk about future things. I have to give a star to Tyron Taylor. I'm going to be fair. Um, this is exactly what you want in a backup quarterback to do. I did I felt like he was playing within the game plan and what in what his role is. Um Tyrod Taylor is not a backup quarterback on a team that's going to the playoffs this year. He is not a quarterback where we need to win a game to, you know, maintain a wild card spot. He is a quarterback that, you know, has to keep this team from falling into chaos and becoming one and six and you know, we're screwed. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's anarchy on this team. And I think I saw a lot less of the creating my own personal resume in this game. I saw a lot less of freelancing on his own. I saw a lot less of putting himself in danger because again, we still had Tommy DeVito as the backup quarterback and Tommy DeVito is like basically having grump out there being quarterback. So I think he played a a little kid. Hey, exactly. Let's get all excited. Can you like change your last name to something that sounds like they're out of Goodfellas? It'd be perfect. No. Um, yeah, great. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I I think he played a more mature game in understanding what his role is on this team. And I, for that, you know, I don't care what his numbers are. Um, you know, I, I think the fact that this coaching staff trusts him, and I think this having the offensive line and him trusting this offensive line a little bit allowed more vertical downfield, more things over the middle, more of what we think this offense could be. Now, again, this is, he is our backup quarterback. We'll talk in a minute about comments that were made and what's the next steps, but for what he did, I have to give him a star. But I will say, I will say one thing though. If everybody who wants to get into that conversation about, is there a quarterback controversy going forward? We scored 14 points in this game. Well, so, you know yeah, what? That, you know what? Four, you know what? 14 points in this league for a league average of offense puts you in the 30th. Bottom. Yeah, it puts you 30th out of 32 
the Giants, and I think the other one was Carolina, maybe. So it, let's not – we're not all of a sudden the fastest game on turf. We are not the Dolphins. We are not, you know, some run-and-shoot team. We It's still – 14 points is still not good enough, but at least there's a level of competency we saw, which is what we need for right now. So, so I was going to – I'll agree with that. I, I I think that he did play a more mature game. Uh, that's probably star worthy. I didn't give him a star, but I probably should have. And the reason I didn't give him a star is because um, this was a game in which uh, so he played last week against the Bills, which is no slouch. Bills are not a slap dick team, as uh, Snacks texted me earlier today. <laughs> uh, but he's right. But he's right. They are not a slap dick team, no matter how uh, poorly they played, how sloppy they played. That was a night game in Buffalo. In front mm-hmm. of a very loud crowd. That was a loud crowd, man. Yes. Um, however, in eight quarters, he has scored two touchdowns. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that's the reason I didn't give him a star. But you're right. This was not a game where I felt like his personal resume was being padded. This was a game where he was trying to get a win. That being said, this is the first week that I know of in which Brian Dable took over all of the offensive meetings. Um it seems like there was a very choreographed game plan. And then once we came out of halftime, that game plan no longer applied because Washington was adjusting in the locker room and we did fuck all in the second half. Now I will, I will grant Tyrod Taylor this Saquon Barkley fumbled in the end zone in the red zone. Okay. That's fair. That is a fair point to give Tyrod Taylor. Sure. Um, I am going to say that I think the running game and the the way that this game was coached was coached to win. I I I, I like that we took shots downfield. I like when we took shots downfield. I didn't feel like we had any drives that were like, why the fuck did we just throw three times? You know what I mean? Like, even though this game was a punt fest and rewatching it was brutal. Let me tell you. Oh, we, we we even we even said it during the game. It's like, God. How many times? How many punts have we seen in this game? It felt like uh, at least twelve. I, I got to tell you, I tried to rewatch it last night. I fell asleep watching it. I had to rewatch <laughs> it again this morning. I had to watch the second half again because it was just—it it was not an. It's a slog. It's a slog. Yeah. Um, and that's what we predicted. That's fine. And uh, I think that the the game planning and the running game, the offensive line, everything was schemed to win around the problems that we have against a bad team. And I think that that's mm-hmm. good. But it's clear to me that when they adjusted, we were kind of just shit out of luck. And we had to bank on our lead and bank on our defense and kill clock. And they very (laughs) nearly lost this game because of that special teams play. So Don't uh, let completions downfield and even attempts downfield cloud your vision that Daniel Jones is no longer the quarterback of this team. There's a lot of factors into what you saw, and those are – those are shiny objects that don't tell you the whole story of everything. Well, that's what I have to say. L- l- let me. Uh, I'm going to take my my quarterback controversy conversation is very succinct. So I'm not going to. I'm going to keep you long listening to this bullshit. But um, many things can be true at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, Daniel Jones has taken a step back from last year's improvements. I am. Everything is well documented, so I don't need to repeat it all. But. Mm-hmm. specifically pocket movement and eyes downfield is not this year what it was last year. And that is probably due to the first game of the year being what it was and then the injuries that followed immediately after. Um, remember, in one half 
Daniel Jones has more touchdowns than Tyrod Taylor in two games. Mm-hmm. Just just something to keep in mind. He four touchdowns attributable to Daniel Jones in the second half of the Arizona game. Which you yes, you have to count. I don't want to hear well that doesn't count. Yes it does. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. But 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 it is fair to say that right now Tyrod Taylor has is running the offense better than Daniel Jones is right now. I think that that's fair to say. I think that Daniel Jones is in his head based on the beginning of the year and mm-hmm. I think that it's affecting the way he is playing, but overall talent I don't think it's close. Uh remember one guy is like at the very point of retirement, the other guy is not. Um, one guy will give you a better chance to win. And we had this discussion in the game. There were some Tyrod scrambles where it's just like there is no fear that he's going to run. And that is a significant portion of Daniel Jones's game that is missing now. And you know something else that Tyrod Taylor has the advantage of? He has the advantage of Saquon Barkley. He has the advantage he of has an the advantage op- of Brian uh, offense- taking over the offensive meetings. He, exactly. We have an advantage of a little tweaking and play calling. He has the advantage of an offensive line that that had two- I, it's not really better, but maybe has stabilized a bit with you know Justin Pugh coming on and you know you keep mixing and matching guys to different positions. Maybe we figured out you know these are little things that add up that give you a little bit of an advantage. So maybe you it's not just a I'm comparing person A to person B. It's, you know, it, let's compare this offense compared to that offense as a whole. The, there's so many factors. Like I said, Brian Dable taking over the offensive meetings. We don't know mm-hmm. what that means for Daniel Jones, what that means, how much changed. Um, there, I, I know that Justin Pugh and Tyree Phillips are not guys that you're like, I can't wait to draft those as my bookend tackles. But compared to what Daniel Jones was dealing with, I would say they were objectively more steady. Maybe not mm-hmm. better, maybe not higher ceiling, maybe not better tools, but more steady than what they that he was dealing with. I mean, it's not, it's just not close to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't think that there's a quarterback controversy uh, at all. I think the plan was always that Daniel Jones was getting this one contract and they were going to continue looking for – their guy, Joe Shane, this is not his guy. He's the best guy to have moving forward. Uh, I always think that was the plan. Either next year or the year after, they were going to be looking very hard in the draft. Maybe they're going to have to look one year earlier. Maybe they won't. I'm not convinced that they feel that way just yet. Um, and, and my piece of advice for Giant fans is let's not treat every word that Brian Dable says like it's the Federal Reserve giving their – Thoughts would, for interest rates in the next anything, five years. If anything, ignore Brian Dable more than the previous coaches. He's right. very good at smoking things up. But what's hap- what happened was, you know, they were dissecting every syllable of what he said. Like, oh, the language changed. Last week he said he's our quarterback. Now he's praised him. Let, no, save that for CNBC and save that for interest rates and let your stocks go up and down for that. This is – the people that are, are doing that, A – didn't want Daniel Jones in the first place. B don't like him now. C or probably, you know, it was Boomer Siason who at halftime looks like a quarterback controversy. Well, Boomer Siason also has a talk show in New York City, which all he wants are ratings, calls, and clicks. So of course he's going to stir the pot by saying silly things like that. There's no quarterback controversy here at all. There isn't. I mean, unless we see 
you know, Daniel Jones has been cleared to play and Tyrod Taylor's out there, then there's a controversy. Well, well, here's the other thing. There's no controversy if they don't plan on having Tyrod next year. So Yeah. Like, so, like, the other thing, too, is that, like, the only discussion is, is Daniel Jones clearly not the guy? Because if that's the case, it's not like they're re-signing Tyrod Taylor. It just means they're drafting a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, it, it's not a quarterback controversy. The question is, is Daniel Jones not the guy? Is Tyrod Taylor's ability to move this offense somewhat versus Daniel Jones' inability to move it somewhat, is that evidence that we need to move on? It's never going to be, do we re-sign Tyrod Taylor? And if that's the case, sign me the fuck off. I am going to have some serious questions for this front office if or, that's the solution. Or but I don't is think it, it will be. And also, that doesn't mean, well, Tyrod's the best guy for the rest of this season because then you're truly wasting this year because you're not auditioning Tyrod Taylor for a, 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 a spot next year. You're not seeing what you really have and don't have with with with, um, Daniel, with Jones. Daniel Jones. So what's the point? I mean, well, I mean, that that brings us all the way back to Geno Smith. Geno Smith was in the last year of his contract. Seeing what you have there does not do you any good. All you did was advertise him for the rest of the league to sign him. So, Which is where we should probably pivot this conversation. Go ahead. Because, you know, we were debating before we did last week's show talking about the trade deadline. And we were like, well, if we lose, it's who are we going to move? But if we win, the question becomes, do we become sellers? And if we do, then who do we move? Uh, my first question to you, Grump, is this is question A. Even though we won this game and we are still two and five, do you think we should be sellers? And if so, why should we should we be sellers? And do you have any candidates? Because I have a couple. I think that we should consider being sellers. I don't think that we should be and this has nothing to do with the win. I mean, I, I guess mm-hmm. if we lost this game, it would be, wow, we're in a sad state of affairs. We're definitely sellers. But Agreed. in terms of like this, the win didn't change my mind from one to the other. It's just like. Agreed. Um, my my decision was made even before this week's game. So that. should we be sellers? I think we should definitely be listeners. I think we should. Mm-hmm have an open mind and a, uh, a checkbook ready for whatever we're moving around here. Uh, that said, I think it's important to state that a fair portion of the results that we've seen are attributable to injuries and also, we were discussing this, when they were constructing the roster for this year, they didn't have the money or assets to address everything they needed to. And they had two options. Their options were get skill players for Daniel Jones because he's clearly hampered by a lack of skill around him or get depth at the most important piece and that's the trenches right in front of him. They had that choice. They chose skill players. I think it's a fair choice. I think it's probably the smarter choice. And right off the bat, they got screwed. And that just is what it is. I think a fair portion of the results that we're seeing was putting the money towards talent and not towards depth. And it just – it didn't work out the way that they had planned. And that sucks, but it is what it is. So I don't think that this roster is like a fucking tear down, sell You're... everything, move on. we, we yeah. got to cut our losses. I don't think we're that. We're definitely we're not, not that. 
we are not a blow it up team. We but, are, but we, we are, are in the a, we're we in the position a, we're in right now, and that's sure. kind and of to yeah. me. To me, that position is we have a lot to fix. So that and phone I think, line rings. I want to be the one to answer it. Nobody touches that phone but me, Joe Shane. And I think you know, regardless of why we are where we are, we are right now a two and five team with a very very minute chance of making the wild card. And even if this team makes a wild card, <laughs> I mean. The first thing this team has to do is go back to their blueprint before this season started and say, what was our target window to be you know, our date that we think we were going to be really contenders for a Super Bowl? And if they feel that that number, that date is still there, you 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 make your adjustments to your roster based on that date. If they think that what the core of this roster is is going to be longer than they think, that may involve a little more teardown than, well, we're still on track for what that date. Clearly, that date was not this year. I don't believe that date was next year. I think you just keep doing what you're doing. Um, I I think this is almost a blessing in disguise. You know, The season could go one of two ways. One, that we were how we started last year. And OK, we, we are still doing that combination, you know, rebuild while we are thinking about a playoff run, but now, you know, the playoff run is gone. So we can still go back to focusing on rebuild. There's a lot of guys on this roster that are not going to be part of this team when that real window of success is going to be here. And, you know, whatever, whatever reason makes the most sense, whether we think we can move somebody because we can get an extra draft pick or two out of it, or this will provide some cap relief for this year, maybe next year. I think you have to think about it that way. I don't think this is something where you take the guys you think are on your core and blow them out because we're starting over from scratch. I think it's just how do we put ourselves in position to get the pieces that we need? Um, my question, you know, there's going to be obvious conversations about, well, who should those guys be? And I don't want to get into the obvious guys like a Saquon Barkley or, you know, uh, Leonard Williams, you know, everybody's talked about that. I, that's for no, even another day, even the Saquon thing. Grump, do you have somebody on this roster that you would be willing to part that's not an obvious because of roster or something that you would like to move? Because I have one and no one's talked about it. I don't know how obvious it is, but I have somebody that I would, I would say is a movable piece for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who would that be? That would be a Dory Jackson. Okay. Um, I, I, I think that, yes, he's in the last year of his contract. Yes, it's a large cap number this year. But I think that works in your favor, right? I mean, he's a young guy still. So you can move him to a team that not only needs a solid corner for a playoff run, where maybe, maybe their corner got hurt um, or something like that, a good team like Buffalo or a good team like – I, mean, I, I don't want to say Phil. I don't want to say anyone in the division, but you know, maybe Miami, right? Maybe Xavier Howard gets hurt and he's down for the year. Uh, but that's a team that has legit firepower to win a Super Bowl this year. You bring in a Dory Jackson. You, I mean, they can absolutely rework his contract and keep him for a number of years. There's mm -hmm. no reason for them not to have an extension already drawn up for him. You do the trade. You get him to sign that extension. You have him for three years or something. He's a young guy. He can still be a part of their core going forward. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that with Trey Hawkins exceeding expectations, 
Cordell Flott, who I think is more of a fit on the outside than on the inside, and Deontay Banks, you know, playing like a first-round pick. I think he's a movable piece. I'm not convinced that he's going to be here next year anyway. I I would certainly like him. I would like the veteran presence. I would like the, you know, just all the athleticism that he brings. He's a positive attitude, a positive guy in the locker room. Um, but to me, Adoree Jackson is a very movable piece. He's a desirable piece for other teams in the league, and I think you can get a lot for him in return. Uh, the Leonard Williams of the world, like I think that there's value to Leonard Williams for this team going forward. I personally would want to rework Leonard Williams to keep him here, to be a tandem with Dexter Lawrence, to give people breathers on the defensive line so your defensive line is fresh, just like Philly does. Adoree, I can move on. I, I like what I've seen from Trey Hawkins. I, I think you can continue to build corner in the draft. I think you should. Um, that's my pick. I know it's not yeah. yours, but that's mine. Well, I, I think it's a smart one because, again, if you're trying to get another Leonard Williams, you're basically looking for a starter that's, you know, 1A to Dexter Lawrence. If you're going to get rid of Adoree Jackson, we kind of have – we already have the foundation of who this is going to be, and we can always bring Correct. in depth pieces as well. And it would be a lot less expensive to do that. So I, I think that's a good one. Mine is not as obvious, and I'm going to need a little latitude from everybody, and I need you not to hang up and you know delete YouTube from your computers when you hear me say this. It's Tyrod Taylor. And let me give my logic for why. Tyron Taylor, you know, again, I know I rail on him every single week on this show, but he is proving that he can be a capable backup who can play and do things that some starters can't do. He has a locked up value on a team that really needs a backup quarterback to go in in a short spurt and maybe even longer and win a game or at least keep you from losing a game. You know, he his value on the Giants isn't really there this year because this team is is two and five. We're not going anywhere. You know, Daniel Jones is coming back very shortly, and you have this asset that's just kind of sitting there, not cheap, and it's just, you know, and there may be a small faction of this locker room that's like, you know, something I don't I'm more of a Tyrod guy than I'm a, a, a Daniel Jones guy. Daniel Jones has got so many things going against him right now. One more thing, having locker room split about who their quarterback should be does not help him at all. I think there is value around this league for Tyrod Taylor for a few teams that need a quarterback that have all the other pieces, have a really good defense, have a good running game that they just need a quarterback. They need a Trent Dilfer, who the, the, the Ravens had. They need uh, a Jeff Hostetler, what the Giants had in 1990. And I am targeting one specific team who I think Tyrod Taylor could really help to make them, you know, a real contender, you know, for the, the conference. That's the Jets. I mean, can't you see Tyrod Taylor with the defense they have and, you know, the, the, uh, receiver weapons and that team right now we don't know when Aaron Rodgers is coming back I don't want to see any of these dumb videos of him throwing you know he's not coming back anytime soon I don't care what Wilson's doing you know he stinks and just because he had one good quarter he is still if I had my choice of start playing Tyrod Taylor or Wilson Alex Wilson it, it, it's no doubt it's Tyrod 
I think there is some value. We're not, like you said earlier, we're not bringing him back. He's not the future of this team. We don't need a backup of his capabilities for the rest of this season. If if Daniel Jones comes back, plays two series, breaks his neck, his head flies off, his knees shatters in the 30 pieces, you know something? The season's over anyway. You can... You can live with DeVito. You can get one of these guys that are sitting at home on the scrap heap just to finish the season out, and then you make your decision about Daniel Jones going forward. I just think that there is a locked-up value that we could get in return something for him. What are your thoughts? It's unconventional. I'll say that yes. much. I mean, uh, but but you make a good point. Um I am not as concerned with Little Brother, uh, so I haven't watched as much Jets as I probably should have. Um, so I, I can't really <laughs> say. I, I mean, truthfully, we were so we were in Buffalo when the Jets game, like literally in Orchard Park at the tailgate. So we saw none really of the Eagles Jets game last week. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got the news like everybody else. Um, you know, this will be a good week to actually do that exercise because obviously sure. we're playing the Jets this week, and we'll get a we'll both get a better sense of what they are. But you know, I don't want to have this conversation after the Jet game because then the, the deadline's already over and it's a moot point. But a, a team like the Jets, where you know they are, you know, I don't know. I mean, a, a team like Pittsburgh, where the quarterback is struggling, but you know they're five and three. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think the Jets are the perfect example because I watched mm-hmm. some of that Pittsburgh game yesterday, and Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, doesn't even have to be that good with George Pickens playing the way that he is. I mean, holy shit, that dude's a monster at receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess my point is, it's just unconventional. It's it's strange because so much goes into learning an offense, and there's so much responsibility put on a quarterback to run a functional offense. Um, that it's just it's a it's just a bizarro decision, but everything you laid out makes sense. I mean, that is a team that is relying on its defense at this point. Um, Aaron Rodgers, if he came back in the same season with an Achilles injury at the age that he's at, which by the <laughs> way, that is an injury that is nearly career-ending. It's very mm-hmm. close, mm-hmm. Uh, even for like a twenty-four-year-old, and he's sixty-three. So I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's he's got his social security stuff all lined up, ready to go. <laughs> um, so I would be very shocked if Aaron Rodgers comes back in any capacity this year. If he comes back in any capacity next year, that would be even a little. That would be like forty percent shocking for me. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie. Um, right. I, I think that the Jets make sense. It, it, it's just he's on the last year of his deal. It, the Jets would really have to be in sole possession of first place in the AFC East. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. Buffalo is not playing well. New England is not playing well. Miami just lost. Um, It's possible. To me, they have to have so much promise from their defense. And, And I would move them. You're right. I mean, like, from our standpoint, like, the drawback is, well, fuck if Daniel Jones gets hurt again, you know what, man? We were talking about this last night. I'm watching the Eagles-Miami game. Everything in my body tells me, go Dolphins, go Dolphins. Fuck the Eagles, fuck Philly, burn that city to the ground. But the only chance that the Giants have of making the playoffs is a wild card spot. They're not winning the division. So at this point, 
being where we are in the season and only just getting our second win, we have to hope that Philly is so far ahead that by week 16, when they play us for the first time, two weeks before the season is over, or whatever, three weeks, three games, that they're already resting their starters because it doesn't matter to them. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but that has to be the hope at this point. So with that being said, if there is just a Tommy DeVito backup or a, a scrap heap Matt Barkley that got no OTAs, no training camp, or whatever, if that's all that's behind Daniel Jones and he gets hurt again, who fucking cares? Now, my question to you is, what do you think the Jets are going to give up for a guy like Tyrod Taylor? I think that you can get something really serious for an Adoree Jackson. I don't know what you get for a Tyrod Taylor. Because even if it's the savior of the season for the Jets, it is still just Tyrod Taylor. It depends on how, A, how desperate they are at the situation, and B, how serious they think they are with the other 52 guys on their roster. If... If they think this defense is so stacked, you know, the, the the second half of our season is a lot easier than the first half. If we really think that we can do something with a guy that, you know, just on his, you know, physical attributes alone, I I don't know. Maybe a, a mid-round pick. And for a for a roster that needs depth. As much as they knew they need starters in the Giants, if I can get a, a, a third round pick or a fourth round pick for a guy we're not bringing back next year anyway, and it, and whenever he plays is probably going to slow the growth of Daniel Jones. Why not? Well, listen, I have even lower expectations than a mid round pick, but I'll tell you this: if they're able to flip Tyrod Taylor for let's say let's say a fifth round pick, okay. So fair. lower lower mid, right? That's fair. And they <laughs> use that fifth round pick on a return specialist. That's a fucking win. That's sure. a win. We don't have one. If you use a fifth round pick on a guy who can not only catch the ball but can make people miss and run, and that's his only fucking job, that's his only job. He's wide yeah. receiver seven on the roster, and he's punt returner, kick returner one. I am happy. I don't care at all that we gave up a backup quarterback for that. I really don't. I don't even care if that's our only fifth-round pick. If that's just our regular fifth-round pick, at this point, I have to point to punt and kick return specialist as, like, the number five weakness on this team at least. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, absolutely. lost this game against a team they should not have lost against. I, I don't need... I don't need Billy White's use Johnson. You know, I need a guy who, A, can... I know when a punt's being punted, I know the guy's catching it. And, you know, right now, nobody's defending our punt return. They're just like, be around the ball because there's a good chance you may get it from Muff or something. So, yeah. Um, I'm with you. Uh, I don't think that has to be flipped for a whole lot. I think that there is value to be had in a mid-round pick. I think that this team very badly needs offensive line depth. I think they also need offensive line starters, but you know, if if let's just pretend that whomever gets traded, you 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 lose a player and you gain a third round pick. It's just assets. I mean, it's just like you can combine picks for a trade for somebody. You know, you can if you're wheeling and dealing on draft night, you know, you can package three or four picks to move up from maybe what if we moved up from six to two because you know we really like Drake May. 
You know, if you that, you can make those moves if 100%. you have you have an excess of, of, of inventory and draft capital to make moves. Yeah. So it's it's not necessarily even uh, let's get a fifth round pick to secure this problem. It's just like I have more options. I have more flexibility. We'll, we'll have more capital. Yeah. yeah. And I just think that, you know, everybody, you know, I think a lot of people are zigging towards should Tyrod Taylor be the starter where I'm zagging and saying the fire's hot right now yeah, for yeah. a guy. Keep, keep him playing while Daniel Jones is hurt and build it, up his trade capital. In a specific scenario, we could probably squeeze a lot of, you know, uh, water out of that rock. Now, I'm going to give you the flip side of this. And if I'm a Jets fan and that trade gets made, I'm not stoked about it. I mean, I don't care about giving up a third, fourth, or fifth round draft pick, but I, to me, I don't think that moves the needle a ton because yes, it. I, I, I'm just. I think you can make the case that uh, Zach Wilson is not the answer. He's not going to help you get through the playoffs or anything like that. But Tyrod Taylor, to me, just doesn't. He's not. I was excited to have him as a backup, to be excited for him to save a season I thought we were going to be playoff contenders. He's going to get us some wins. It's a tough sell. I, remember I, I am remember on, the Jet I, fan. Listen, Rem- I, but remember the Jet fan is to not like anything that happens until a win is in the books. Just so Yeah, you know. but remember where the Jet fan is coming from, though. The Jet fan had all offseason thinking they had Aaron Rodgers. They knew their defense was going to be really, really good. They thought they were Super Bowl contenders, and that died three plays into the season. Now they see they get they're they're very frustrated that, you know, this defense is playing good. They see these receivers and they don't have a quarterback and get the ball to them. They also, because they're stupid jet fans, they see those videos of Aaron Rodgers and can we just bridge? Can, can Zach Wilson just be a bridge until Aaron Rodgers, even on one leg in the playoffs, can do something? Well, so I, if you have you if really you're, seen that, because that to me is nonsense. It's good. Jet fans are morons. They're stupid. I mean, it's they are the same they, offensive line. You're not going to get Aaron Rodgers throwing from a clean. I pocket. understand that, but you were talking about the Danny DeVito to the Arnold Schwarzenegger that are giant fans in this town. They <laughs> they don't. They're stupid. But they are – they're true believers, you know. So if they think there's a they, – they haven't won anything in anybody's lifetime. But to think if – well, if he actually can come back in January, get me a bridge to him because everything else is moot until we're in the playoffs. The prospect of Tyrod Taylor over Zach Wilson, they're going to be like, all right, I'm willing to take that risk. Um, I have seen some sentiment around Twitter, uh, but you know, around giant fans of people like Darren Waller being on the trading block. Now, the reason I, I, I think that that's silly is because I don't think that you can, you can look at the results of this year thus far and be like, holy shit, what is this team? Um, but I feel like that's just short-sighted. Like, I don't think that this roster is a teardown and rebuild roster. I think this is a currently rebuilding roster. And I think that trading away a guy like Darren Waller that maybe you can get more assets for, it doesn't do you any good because you're just going to use that asset to get a game-changing tight end again. Yeah. I, I just I just don't see it. And, well, I, you know, he's, he's signed to this deal that's multiple years. I, you know, 
if you want to look at this and be like, look, man, I've seen enough. Daniel Jones isn't the guy. I think that's a fair thing to say. It goes I, back. I don't necessarily agree with it, but but at the end of the day, to to rip apart the entire roster, this is still you have misinterpreted what last year was at that point. You thought that last year was a rebuilt roster, and this coming year is this is the Super Bowl. We said early on that like the Super Bowl talk is next year. This is let's make it to the playoffs. Well, and that's once that's you the have thing. a plethora of injuries, playoffs are off the table at that point. You're not good enough. If you were a Super Bowl contender and you had the injuries that the the Giants had, or the you know the setbacks that Evan Neal and Daniel Jones, however you want to categorize the disappointment, however you want to do it, you I mean you're just going back one step. You know, if you were a Super Bowl roster and you'd be like, all right, well, you know, we should be able to make it to the playoffs. But this wasn't a Super Bowl roster. This was a playoff roster. So now it's I don't think we're making the playoffs anymore. Which assets? Yeah. Which assets? First of all, like I said before, it's a conversation that uh, the Maras, Joe Shane, Brian Dable have to sit in a room and say, what is our realistic window? When do we, based on what this roster is, what our assets are going forward, what draft picks, what salary cap, all this stuff, when do we really think that window is? If that window, we think because of what happened this year, has been pushed out, that is one set of decisions you make. If it's still on track for what they thought before this year and last year, you still maintain your, you know, you still maintain your plan. Waller to me is a guy that is in the short to medium term Win. asset for this team. Right. You know, a guy like again, you know, um Adoree Jackson, Tyrod Taylor. They are not in that win they're in a window for right now. Like if we would have parlayed last year into all of a sudden now we're six and two and we can legitimately compete with Philly for the division and who knows in the playoffs, different story, but we're not. And the window is not this year. It's probably not even next year either. They have no, they are not part of the plan. You move on. Danny Waller, Jimmy is part of the plan. I agree. So I don't think they're at any point where anybody they think is, but they still have to do a very hard reevaluation they, they, of. They have to do a reevaluation, but to me, the plan was not this year. The plan agreed. was over the course of several years, and Darren Waller was part of that plan. So to move of course. on for him, I have to get an offer on the phone. That's stupid. And of course, there is, you know, there is always the stupid team. There's always sure. the, there always is the Raiders out there. There's always the Dallas out there. There's always, there's always the Jets out there. They just, when they smell blood in the water, they're like, I don't care. Get them. And, you know, they'll take it. So, you know, I, I don't care, you know, for for someone like, you know, Adoree Jackson's his last year's contract. If Philly comes a calling and they're going to overspend for him, take him. I, 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 you know, we're not winning the division this year. We're not making the playoffs this year, most likely. You know, it, is that guy incrementally going to make that team better? Eh, we'll see. But I, I, I'm more concerned. I'm more concerned about me and building this team up to being good than worrying about well Philly making them better or Dallas making them better or the Jets or whoever. I have to worry about me first. Speaking of Philly, they beat Miami last night. Um, mm. They've advanced to six and one. That was the only other action within the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas had a bye. We played Washington. Any thoughts on uh, Philly and Miami? 
I'm just uh, I'm just really impressed with their coaching staff. I think you know, you know, Nick Sirianni is he's a dick. <laughs> we don't like him. You know, this that organization always seems to want to troll the Giants as much as do well, but they are a that's a well coached team, and that's what I came out of that. That's a team that has a plan on offense and defense, and they know what they're doing, and they do it. They execute. I mean, there is no debate about the tush push. You know, if if it's you know if, if it's fourth and one, pretty much wherever on the field, there's just no decision making. It's we know this works. We are confident in it. We know our game plan. We're executing that. I, I just feel like they're just a. I hate to say it because they're Philly, but they are right now just. Everything is firing on all cylinders for them. And to take a team like Miami that we saw up close and personal and basically, you know, neuter them as much as you can. And, you know, the one thing is that Jalen Hurts has got this turnover issue that when they play other really, really good teams could be a problem. But that team is just considering where we thought they were just a couple of years ago, their trajectory above what we've done in the last couple of years is, is pretty astounding. Um, I want to talk about the Rams game, the Rams and sure. Steelers. I think it was right. Oh boy. Let's go. I'm ready. Um, so look, I <laughs> am pulling for the Steelers to win. Um, the Rams are a legitimate wild card competitor for the giants. I am not rooting for Seattle or the Rams or anybody like that going forward. So this does not come from a place of bias. When I say the end of that game is just stupid. It was dumb. Um, LA was down by one score. You've got a fourth down scenario with Pittsburgh with the ball with over two minutes to go. Okay, so plenty of time. No timeouts for the Rams, but that's okay. They have a near midfield fourth down and one. Pittsburgh goes for it, and it is clear to everyone with replay and a TV screen that Kenny Pickett's knee went down very early. He slipped. His knee went down, and then he just kind of churned his legs forward. They spotted the ball poorly. They gave him a first down. It is outside of two minutes, so there's no automatic replay. And just because the Rams have no timeouts to leverage, by the way, leverage for a challenge, they can't challenge. But it is so clear to everyone, the announcers, their onboard official who's part of the announcing crew, everyone sees he is short. It's on the stadium screen. He's short. There's nothing the Rams can do. Too bad. Fuck you. Game over. And that's really what it became. I mean, they gave him the first down. There is now only two minutes left. The two-minute warning has expired during this whole conversation. And now Pittsburgh is able to kneel three times and the game is over. Now, this to me is just crazy nonsense. It is such nonsense to me because – you have strictly because of a silly rule, the fact that the Rams have no more timeouts to leverage and because it's outside of two minutes, which is the arbitrary threshold that we've decided is the automatic review period, that we just move on. Even because though we, we all know that the very objective spotting of the ball is incorrect, we just move on. Now, I know everyone likes to make fun of me for thinking that there is some value to the USFL and the XFL, but this is something that is indisputable in my opinion. It is very transparent 
the way that the USFL applies penalties. There is no debate. You have a guy who is mic'd up and on TV communicating with the referees and looking at replay on a screen and telling the, re- the, the officials on the field, no, 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 we need to change it to this. There is no reason why replay has to be an enemy of the officials. This is no, well, we, you and I were texting about this last night, and I thought that we came up with a great analogy. You said replay is a tool for officials to do their job to the best of their ability. And I agree. It is not unlike having headsets in the helmet between a quarterback and the offensive coordinator because there is no reason to just live in the archaic world of hand signals to get plays in when we can just use the technology available us to talk to each other like humans and get the best product on the field. There's no reason for it. The officials do not have to see replay as an enemy. That should be the head official should be the one working the cameras and reviewing every single play in real time because the technology is available to us. A lesser, less expensive league is already doing this to good effect. And there is no debate among fans who have money on the line in bets as to whether or not the fix is in. We have a recorded person on TV telling you why this penalty is a penalty, what they are seeing, and who is at fault. We know which official is making this call when we see all this. To me, this is a no-brainer. And we have a team that just lost on complete nonsense to me. Well... Let's go back to why do we have replay in the first place? Replay's job is to minimize the amount of wrong calls. The goal of replay is not to look at something for 30 minutes and say, is that millimeter of distance of green in between a guy's toe and not toe in being inbounds and outbounds? Replay's job is not to punish officials. Replay's job is to take calls that are incorrect and make them correct. That's it. This is a league that, like you alluded to, billions and billions of dollars are at stake. People gamble. Ratings are on the line. All of this stuff that, you know, this team loses the game next week. There may be 10,000 less people in the stands. Ratings go down. Calls have to be right. And what are we relying on in this league? We are relying on people that are not in the same physical shape, trying to cover players that are much better shape, much better, faster, that are older than him, trying to spot with their eyes. I mean, I'm 51 years old. I'm blind as a freaking bat. These guys aren't much you know, better off seeing as, as, as I am probably. And this isn't to shit on officials either. I, I think no. it's crazy how no. correct they are on we really have, crazy stuff. We have every other sport. Just watch tennis. They can, you know, the technology they have now, if there's a certain volley back and forth and the ball might be out, they know in half a second that ball is in and out. Most of the time, you know, it's done from the the box. There may be a challenge. If you really don't think it's, you know, I really want to see that and challenge it. They fine in half a second, you see it. That's it. I I just don't understand why. I I think I do understand why officials are view as adversarial and why they're so against having it as part of the officiating crew. They have a very strong union. 
They don't want to be seen as being wrong. They will fight it and they will get away with it. So it, well, it, I think it, the it, other thing too is the way the replay is currently set up is that even the nature of the word challenge is right. adversarial. I mean, like the way that replay is implemented right now is adversarial. It is not even the euphemisms aren't even correct to make it look like it's a tool for officials to do their job better. It literally is like saying, no, you're wrong. Let's look at the tape, buddy. I yeah, mean, it doesn't using... need to be like that. Look, man, it's, it is it is the hardest job to be looking at six things while sprinting down the field every single play. I mean, it's not just one time per game they have to do this. It's every right. aspect of their job is running down the field and looking at six things at once. It's crazy that they don't screw up more, in my opinion. this None of this is to make officials feel bad. This is just, you know what, man? It just happens to be the 21st century. We have... Tools that will help this game. It, it, none of this is set up for them to even feel like it's a tool. So I you know get some, why they view it as adversarial. You know something? If they really wanted to, if they really decide to lean all in for technology, officials, you could cut down the amount of officials on a field because a lot of this can be determined you know, through technology. So, I mean, they, they're lucky they still have all the jobs that they do covering a game. I did just... The fact that you have this technology and it's not even being used until a coach who just, you know, and sometimes who has a will, worse viewpoint most of the time and, and a biased viewpoint, right? Is going to like use that. You know, they're never calling, they are never saying, Hey, you know, uh, Brian Dable is not saying, you know, something Dallas got that first down. Why don't you review that? It's no, it's just to help you for your benefit. Officials rule determination needs to be as unbiased and as objective as possible period if a ball if a foot is in bounds or out of bounds there is a line it's not close enough it's the line and we, taking subjectivity out of all of officiating is very very important and to me the use of arbitrary use of replay is just adding to that subjectivity ingrain it as part of the officiating crew okay. and who has equal say because you know something a side judge may say something and a line judge can be running over have you seen it a thousand times and he's like no 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 i had a better view he, he didn't catch it and what did they always say on the broadcast every single time great job by the officials getting together and getting it right well what's the difference if a guy is standing over here or is in a booth who has a better view you know, and has a huge camera with any angle they have. This is the NFL. They have the best, you know, they have so many different cameras. And then when the big games, they have even more cameras. And they, if they were being, you know, judicious enough, they'd have even better camera. They'd always would have a camera on the goal line. They'd always have one where the first down, you can do all that. The technology is there. It's just, be, we just fall on, well, there's a bunch of old men and that's the way we've always done it. And they're protected by their job. And that's the way it's going to be. And until we get past that mentality, um, until we can break that union, until we have a commissioner, until there's enough money involved or something, you know, costs people real money, it's never going to change. Sucks. I know a couple of years ago, Cleveland lost a game based on a fumble forward through the back of the end zone and the, the rules on that. And there is great debate over whether that that rule is bullshit or not. 
To me, the way the Rams lost, even though they still would have had to score a touchdown to tie the game, it's just it's just it hurts more, in my opinion. Sure. And we all see it. We all know. Hey, I have rule. never I have never been angrier in my entire life, and I thank God I was not I did not know the cranky wife at this time. That 2003 playoff game against San Francisco where the officials got the call wrong on the field and they had no way to correct an obvious wrong call. I boycotted the playoffs. I was so super pissed after that. But it's not because the play was wrong. It's because it was an incorrect call on the field. And when officials are determining outcomes of games, not the play on the field, that is unconscionably a problem and we have and what's annoying like you said we have ways to clean all this up make it more and also make the game go faster we don't need these 10 minute kind of discussions and oh, stuff god it's brutal tennis you know something you don't even go out of sequence and, and chewing your gum it happens so fast was that in or out up out okay move on nobody complains like that's the way it is that's all i got for this episode <laughs> I think we used our ten thousand. We used our ten thousand words on this episode for sure. Just so everyone's aware, the Giants are on the bottom of the NFC East, but they are only like a game out or game and a half out of second place at two and five. They're behind the three and four Washington Commanders and the three and two Dallas Cowboys. They, hmm. are, they are not far behind, despite everything that we said in this episode. So, um, you know, I guess we'll foolishly be excited on Thursday. Uh, when we record our Jets Giants preview <laughs> on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., that episode will be available Friday morning as usual. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump, at the cranky fan, at just Giants Pod, and tell a friend. Like I said, the auto thing. Try their beer. Take yeah, my and word also, for it. It's good beer. Tell a Giants fan. We have a good podcast. And a shout out to Ron from uh, Section 124. Hope he's feeling better. We hope to see you at the game next week. Uh, until next time, we'll see you. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.